Welcome to the Sunny Hill Podcast. This message was recorded at our pool campus. For more information about service times and locations, please visit sunnyhill.church. Awesome, okay, you can take your seats. I'm just doing a short message today. <laughs> I'm going to be done in about 50 minutes, so that's awesome. Now, I'm playing. The clock says 12 minutes, so I'm going to try my hardest. Seriously, Phil, play. What are you doing? Come on. The reason I like that when I'm doing shorter messages is it kind of makes me feel like I'm already in the conclusion when I start, okay? So that's good. So I've called this brief message. If this was my last ever message, this is what I'd say. How grim is that? How grim is that? I thought it was really funny. I thought, well, that's a funny message. That's a funny title right there. Because for me, I guess my challenge was this, is I didn't just want to adopt my normal posture when I get into this position and preach. I often talk about one of three things. It's always about Jesus, obviously. But I always try to unpack something more of our vision, something of our values, something of our culture, something of our behavior. And I try to speak to us as a corporate body. Like as we're the gathered saints, I try to speak to us as one family, one group. Uh, But I felt challenged today that, hey, literally, if this was my last message, what is it that I'd want to say? And um, I I guess the reason why I find it easy to prepare in that vein is because I hate flying. Literally, I hate flying. And I know I've got like a prayer team of intercessors in this house who are already praying into that. And there is a sense of peace and resolve for me. But let me tell you, I have been on so many dodgy flights around the world that like literally I used to be fine with flying. But now I kind of even just walking up to the plane, it's just how is this a good idea ever? Something that is like 20 times the size of double-decker buses, you know, welded into one long tube, whack some wings on it, whack some rocket jet like packs to the side of it and just go, listen, if we get this thing fast enough, this thing's going to fly. And then like 300 people willingly go, yeah, I'm in. I'm, I'm in for that. Like you ask my wife, every time before I go on a flight, I compose a long letter of how much I'm going to miss them in case I don't come back. Like, literally, it's the most grim reading ever. I'm just like, hey, just tell the boys this at my funeral, okay? Because literally, as soon as those, like, those jets start going, I'm just thinking, it's, this is not okay. Like, I don't care if the science works out in your head. If God wanted us to fly, he would have put rocket packs on us, right? Um, but, you know, our, th- this time it's even harder in many ways, because normally, if I'm going down, at least, like, Louise and the kids live, this time we're all going on the same chamber. I said to Louise, we should go on different planes, you know, just play the odds. Is that grim? Maybe it is. It's kind of funny. I'm not, I don't fear death. I just fear flying. Like, flying freaks me out. Um, I appreciate your prayers in that. And I thought, well, what would I want to say today? Well, I guess for me, I'd want to bring you some the best wisdom I, wisdom I can muster in these 10 minutes, right? And it would be so simple, and it would be this. So much of my life, I have thought the goal of discipleship and ministry is about fruitfulness. What can I do for God? What can I do for God? And I think that's a great pursuit. I think that's a noble pursuit. I think there is a mandate and a commission on our lives But I just guess in recent times, something has shifted in my thinking where as you walk through seasons of challenge, of hardship and pain, you begin to understand that maybe God is less concerned with what he does with you and more concerned with what he does in you. 
thinking less about what you do and more about who you are, who you're becoming. You see, the goal of the church is one thing. It is to reach the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. It's to go into a dark and dying world, a world that is hopelessly lost. And the church is to go with a message of hope and salvation. But actually, as believers, we really only have one goal, and it's this, to become more like Christ. Sometimes we put so much emphasis on the result that we miss the actual process and the beauty of the process. So if this was my last ever message, it would be this. Pursue God. Pursue God. Interesting thing. I was reading this the other day. Deeply challenged. Let me just open my bookmarks. 1 Samuel 13, the context is this. Saul is king over Israel. The reason Saul is king is because Israel didn't want a godly king. They wanted a human king like the other nations. So they pestered God for a king. God came good on the word and he gave them Saul as king. However, due to Saul's disobedience and rebellion, no longer could he be king over the kingdom of Israel. And so God was seeking out another man or person to take charge of this nation. And this is what we read, Samuel the prophet says to Saul after Saul's disobedience. In 1 Samuel 13, verse 14, Samuel says this, But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. In other words, Saul looked like a king, but actually in his heart he wasn't a king. God was looking now for a different type of leader, a leader that worried less about position and more about relationship with God, a man who wholeheartedly pursued the heart of God. I think that's a really interesting insight, to pursue the heart of God. I mean, this totally makes sense in our day and age because we're in the grace covenant. We know now because Jesus laid down his life, there is a liberty and freedom that marks our existence. We no longer have to come to the high priest in the temple courts and bring our sacrifice. No longer do we have to slay animals to atone for our sins. We come in worship and even in Hebrews, it says we can now boldly enter the throne room with confidence. Like something has shifted for us, but we're talking about the old covenant here. When the process and the principle was this, is that you are to do your best, uphold the law, bring your sacrifice, and go to the high priest to atone your sins. It was something that was lived out through a mediator. Yet David booked the trend of his context. Because David didn't wait for a high priest to pursue the heart of God. In fact, what we read of David is that when he was in the obscurity of Bethlehem, where no one else was watching, when he was looking after his family's sheep, the youngest of this family was out there worshipping and penning psalms. There was something about David that was so contrary to the day in which he lived that he wasn't looking for a mediator on earth. He kind of went ahead of his time and started pursuing God like he was living in the new covenant. And and so when God is looking, casting his eye over humanity and saying, who's going to be the next king? He says, I've found one. I've found one. And he's a man after my own heart. My desire for you as individuals would be this, that you would become people who are totally and wholeheartedly pursuing the heart of God.
there's so many principles that we could unpack from David's life. But there's this interesting thing that Samuel goes to the house of Jesse because God tells him this is where this king is going to come from. And what we read is that Eliab, David's oldest brother, stands before Samuel. And Samuel says in his own heart, this is what Samuel says, surely the Lord's anointed stands before me. Why? Because Eliab looked like a king. He was tall. He was built. He had the appearance of a statesman. Like he was, he was king material. But yet, as Samuel's looking at him, he gets this sense and conviction, no, no, this isn't the Lord's anointed. So he works through more of the brothers until all the brothers have passed before him. And he's thinking, I haven't seen any of these brothers. And so he turns to Jesse and he says, listen, are there any others in the house? Because I know the king's going to come from this line, yet like none of these boys are the one. And they turn and they go, well, there's only one, but like he's out in the wilderness. Like he's tending sheep. Like he's the runt of the family. He's the youngest of the family. And Samuel says, call for him. So they wait. And David comes before Samuel the prophet. And as he comes in, Samuel knows that surely the Lord's anointed stands before him. And, and for me, there's, there's something beautiful about this. Because you may have spent your whole life being overlooked by your own family. Even your own parents may have just thought you won't really amount to much. But let me tell you, right, where other people get so preoccupied with your past, God is totally obsessed with your potential every time. Like even ourselves, we get so preoccupied with our history, but God is totally committed to our destiny. And so in this moment, David comes and stands before Samuel, and Samuel says, this is the king, and he anoints him with oil there and then. Even though he was the youngest, even though he was smaller, even though he had no credibility, credentials, or status, or influence in his own family, he was going to be the future king of Israel. Now what? What gave him his credentials? It was this. Is that when no one was looking... He was pursuing the heart of God. Which suggests to me, the throne was never his reason for worship. Position and status and influence and riches and fame was never the reason for his heart that he was pouring in day day in, day out to God. It was simply the fact that he loved God. God can do unbelievable stuff with a person who lives like that. So often in church, we think this is the pursuit, the platform. But it's not. It's the closet. Even Jesus says when you pray, go into the secret place. There's something about our life that is marked in secret. Let me tell you this, right? The things you do that nobody sees will bring about the results that everybody sees. The things that nobody sees will bring about the results that everybody sees. Can we become a humble person who is less about status, recognition, influence, but just someone who is so madly in love with God that before he even postures us for success and victory, we've already adopted the posture of worship and submission and surrender before God. In the wilderness, as we're out in the obscurity of Bethlehem or Boscombe, working a nine to five where we're thinking no one's looking, just in our lunch break, pursuing the heart of God. As we're commuting to Dorchester to do that business meeting, no one's watching, but just pursuing the heart of God. Because let me tell you, what you do that nobody sees results in the fruit that everybody sees. 
just before Christmas, I think it was the 30th of December, we had our Sunday morning service because we couldn't have the school. We had it at our Ferndown campus. And uh, on the way, as we were going in the car, we went in two cars because uh, I was going to stay behind after and Louise was going to bring the kids home. And Caleb says, oh, I'm going to go with Dad because I need to talk to him. I was like, you're seven. Like, you can just talk to me here. But he, he, I just felt this sense that he wanted alone time. So I didn't know. I mean, maybe he just wanted to big on me and just say how good a dad I am, what a great job I'm doing. And we get in the car and he jumps in the, the front seat and he says, all right, Dad, we need to talk about your weight. And obviously, there's only one question that is appropriate in that moment. I said, did your mom put you up to this, right? That, sounds like your mom. No, it doesn't. Louise is hugely supportive of me and my fatness, right? <laughs> Dad, and Caleb just said simply, he says, like, I'm not really saying you're fat, but I don't want a fat dad. And that's kind of saying I'm fat. Just putting it out there. And it's kind of interesting because then I went to church that morning and Richard was speaking on micro habits. It was a great message and one that you never hear in church because it doesn't sound really spiritual, but yet it's deeply spiritual because it's about habits and patterns, disciplines. And the, the premise of Richard's message was this, is rather than setting one big hairy goal and trying to smash it out of the park for the first week in January, let's instead pick smaller goals that you can do every single day for the rest of your life. And I remember making some notes there, and I got home, and I knew that sabbatical was coming mid-June, and I thought, by mid-June, I'd love to lose three stone. I mean, I'm still pretty big now. Like, oh, I was well fat. That was a bad season. Taco Bell had just come to town, and I was rinsing it on a... Oh, so good. I found a way of getting maximum discounts, so literally I was eating 12 tacos for like 50p. It was incredible. It was just like one of those God moments, you know, where you just get the wisdom, spirit of wisdom and revelation. I'm like, I know how to play this now. Um, and so I'd do that for lunch and dinner and then brunch and breakfast. And, um, even communion, we'd have Diet Coke and taco. That's what we did at home. Um, but, but it's kind of interesting because like I got home and I was like, well, I don't completely want to change my lifestyle because I like I like food I, I like that I like looking like like fasting is such a sacrifice for me because like literally it's like saying stop breathing for a day <laughs> this is for you Lord you better be thankful up there because this sucks right out uh, but I, I, I went on this kind of website calculator thing where you could type in what you need to do in order to meet the goal you want to achieve and it says, right, basically, without fluctuating my calories too much, I'm going to need to burn an additional 800 active calories a day for six months. I was like, all right. Uh, then I went, I opened another window and typed in Chinese medicine that helps with weight loss. <laughs> <laughs> and it's called SlimFast. <laughs> is that racist? I don't think it is. But if you're Chinese, we love that you're here. I was just... I don't know what to do now. <laughs> we'll go with service one on the podcast, I think. Yeah, sweet. Um, anyways, it says 800 calories. So it's interesting. So for the last 25 weeks, every day I've been pretty much getting up early doors. This has been my pattern. Getting up early doors before everyone else gets up and then waking everyone up when I leave the house, right? And trying to run at least 5K every single day. Now that is a grueling commitment and I'm not building up this story to try and go, oh, look how much weight, oh, this is awesome. That's really not the goal. But on Tuesday morning, I went on the scales 
And true to the instruction of the website, three stone in 25 weeks. Now, it's interesting because none of you see the graft. None of you see me getting out of bed when it was still dark in January and cold and miserable. None of you see the kind of sacrifices I'm making to to try. And it's not because I want to look good for you. It's because I'm trying to respond to the desire of my kid to kind of get past the age of 40, right? But the stuff that nobody sees ultimately results in the stuff that everybody sees. Funny, I was talking to someone at a ministry leaders meeting the other day. They said, oh, you've lost a lot of weight. And I only noticed it last Sunday. And that's really cool because, again, the goal wasn't to try and be seen by you, but actually day in, day out of commitment, of discipline, of habit now produces a fruit that is now public and visible and seeable. And I've got to wrap this up, but my encouragement and, uh, I guess, desire for you guys is this, is that we will get serious about the unseen. Serious. Serious about the spiritual habits that we are embedding in our lives. Like you may want to be as fruitful as Reinhard Bonnke. <laughs> He's an evangelist who kind of goes all over seeing millions of people saved. Well, then you've got to start praying like Reinhard Bonnke, right? Yeah. You, you, you may want to be as knowledgeable about the scriptures as Phil, where you're going to have to start studying the scriptures like Phil. Some of you want the product. Louise spoke about this. Not many people commit to the process. My heart for you guys is this. Is that as a church, we would become all that God wants us to become. Not because as a group we've got our act together, but because every individual understands that this is about my walk with Jesus. It's about me investing in my relationship with him. If I want to be a prayer giant... I've got to start praying. If I want to know the scriptures, I've got to start reading. If I want to be a great evangelist, I've got to start speaking out. I've got to start building bridges. I've got to start making connections. And all the things that you do that nobody sees eventually will lead to a place that everyone sees. Now, that's not the goal. The goal is simply, God, you're so good and worthy of everything I have. And so for the next 10 weeks, myself and Louise are going to take that challenge really seriously. And I love it for the next 10 weeks, you take that challenge really seriously. And when we gather again in September, it's going to be great fun. Really good fun. Because we can do some church stuff really well. But if we also underwrite that with strength of character and conviction, passion and relationship with Jesus, if we become people after God's own heart, game changer. I'm going to invite Richard to come up because we're going to go into a time of Q&A where we're going to talk about some of this. I'm going to invite my beautiful wife, Louise. That's great. And it's just something of what Dom was talking about was resonating with you and you'd like some prayer. I'd really encourage you at the end of the service just to head off to the side there. Our prayer team will be there. Uh, one of them will have a lanyard on. The other one will just be skulking around and trying to convince you to let them pray for you. So just really head in there. Yeah, take the chair away from Phil. I'll take that chair. Can I just say, I love how small Richard's chair is. Look at that. That is so good. It's not good. It's, it's not a little great, chair. But what can you do? A little chair for a little person. Yeah. So if you do want prayer, 
Could you have insecurity issues? I mean, I'll be there. Um, you're big, you're big you on want, the inside, hey. Yeah, yeah. You're I'm big, big on, the, on the inside. I'm big when I lie down. If you do want chairs, if you do want chairs, if you do want Slim prayer, pass. please head to that side of the auditorium at the end of the service. The prayer team would be more than happy to pray for you. But we just thought we'd do a Q&A with Dom and Louise. Obviously, they're heading off on sabbatical, and we know there's been quite a few questions. So we just wanted to ask them. So oh, you're right, dude. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, just all going on with it. I mean, the first question we all have is, if this is the last time we see you, is that the look you wanted to leave us with? Is, is it? You know, I've been accused of, um, like, looking like African dictators in days gone by <laughs> with my wardrobe choice. So I thought I'd go for something a bit more friendly. I think this actually looks like uh, Barney Rubble from the Flintstones, personally, which I think he's more endearing as a character, isn't he? Um, I mean, I mean well, he? obviously, more endearing than Mugabe, but <laughs> yeah. it's not hard, is it? <laughs> Um, even Richard's more yeah. endearing than Yeah, I mean, it's a strange way to go. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, let's, let's, let's leave that. So, obviously, Dominuiz are off for um, the next 10 weeks. And just to kick it off, obviously, they have been rubbing it in our faces for a while. But do you guys want to say where you're going off to and what you're going to be doing? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, we're around for the next couple of weeks. We're still in the UK. Uh, we're not going to be at Sunny Hill, and we're not going to be involved in Sunny Hill-related stuff, but we're going to be in the UK. We're going to be visiting some incredible churches in this country, uh, building some connections with local leaders as well. So we're going to be doing that, and just chilling out. You're going on a boat, aren't you? Yeah. In like an hour. You're going on a boat until Thursday, whatever. I'll be fine. It's my sabbatical too. Uh, <laughs> Great deal on those little inflatables in Lidl's, by the way, at the moment. Twelve ninety nine. A little sleeping bag, just see if we get to France. Yeah, pray hard. Um, and then on the 4th of July, we fly out to Australia. And uh, then we fly like two days later to New Zealand. And we're in New Zealand for about two and a half weeks. We're doing a couple of conferences there. Dom's going to be speaking at some churches, some of the churches that we've got connections with over there. And then we fly back to Australia. And then we're basically starting at the bottom and working our way around the East Coast up to the top, doing some ministry, preaching, teaching, and then on the back end of it, just enjoying some rest, some holiday, uh, seeing some amazing churches, but not being involved in them, having some investment in us too. So yeah, it's going to be great. And if you guys want to follow the journey that Dom and Louise are on, you can go to the sunnyhill.church website. We have an itiner- like a sabbatical page set up, and it's got their complete itinerary there, so you can just see where they're at, what's going on, and kind of where they're going to get lost in Australia, in the outback somewhere. <laughs> but really just jumping off that, um, what's the purpose of your sabbatical? What are you hoping to get out of it? Um, getting out of it, what we get out of it is a really hard question. The, the reason we're doing it is because we've been uh, in full-time ministry now since two. 2007, but actively involved in Sunny Hill on a weekly basis since 2005. Literally, it had been going a year or two. Um, and um, day in, day out, weekend by weekend, all we do is live, breathe, cry, bleed Sunny Hill Church. Like, it's all, that's our world. Literally, obviously, we're strong in our family unit, but even the way we do our family is ministry-centric. You know, we want to raise our kids in the house, and we we don't want to have a family thing going on, a church thing, so there seem wars, but like we're doing this together. Um, but because we live in that ecosystem, um, we just feel like it, there's a time now where me and Louise need investment, where we need some apostolic figure. Basically, an apostolic figure is kind of like, I mean, an, ap- an apostolic person does many things, but really it's a pastor of pastors, leaders who have big capacity, who have done significant things, investing into our life and expanding our vision and our dreams and our character and stretching us. So for us, it's about breaking away from the... It's, nothing is mundane about Sunnyhead. It's one of the most funnest places on earth. But like 
break away from the mundane day-to-day slog of ministry and going to a space where there's freedom, liberty, just to pursue what we feel God telling us to pursue and build relationships with people who are going to be advantageous for us personally, but also for us corporately as the days go on. I mean, that's really, really great. And and we're really excited by what God is going to do while you guys are there. We can't wait to see what you bring back. I think it's going to be amazing. But while you're gone, obviously, who's going to be in charge? If you had to pick your favorite, let's say, and obviously they hopefully would be sitting down. Um, Just checking, just checking behind me. I mean, who's going to be in charge? Phil's always sitting down. This is the one time he's standing up. If sitting down is the marker, he's the man, clearly. No, he's not sitting down. He's chasing Theo as well at times. So, um, so, so for us, like we've, we've, um, we thought long and hard about this, and we thought, God, 10 weeks. Phil, Richard, really? Like, is there nothing more? Charmaine's great, but obviously she's got a job and raising kids. Not that you're not, Richard, but like it's different. Um, and so in the end, we landed with Josh Goldenberg. He's going to be leading Senate. Come on, Josh. Now, for us, it's, so this is the great thing about Sunhill. It's never been about one man, one couple. It's always been about team. It's always been collaborative. Um, so although I guess I'm the figurehead and spearhead, and uh, I do most of the stuff up front, actually, it's, it's a team dynamic. It's a team effort. That's what I love about church. We've got amazing ministry leaders who are voluntary who could lead Sunny Hill Church. Like, we're so blessed with competent leaders in this house. Um, so basically... I would say Phil and Richard are the go-to guys. I'd say if it's a pastoral thing you need, go to Phil, right? <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to need even more pastoral ministry. Uh, no. Um, and if it's organizational or ministry practical stuff related, go to Richard. I mean, really, they're great at both of those things. But um, we also have a great team of trustees. There's loads of people. But uh, Phil and Richard and Emily and Charmaine are going to be just driving this thing forward in our absence. Yeah, no, th- that's great. But if you had to pick your favorite, who would... <laughs> What would you say? Charmaine. So still, still, still where we're landing. Okay, then. Well, what can you do? What can you do? Um, so Chow, obviously, Charmaine. There you are. Obviously, Charmaine. come on. You know what? You, Sorry. Yeah. So obviously, while you guys are away, what are the rules that are in place while you're away? I mean, not personal rules. You guys can pretty much have your own rules, I'm sure. Thank you. But just from kind of a Sunny Hill perspective. From a Sunny Hill perspective, our rules are that we break communication with... Now, that's not a black and white rule. Obviously, so many of our friends are in Sunny Hill Church. And in fact, all of you are our friends and family, obviously. Yeah, we've even got family in the Ferndown campus in particular. Like, but, but what we are doing is totally breaking communication in relation to Sunny Hill. So we won't be responding to texts or emails. Uh, in fact, I've changed my email address for the next few weeks. And um, I'm not going to be picking up any of that stuff. Um, but, but what we're trying to do is just com- keep communication one way. So whilst we're away, we're going to be trying to video capture some stuff on our Instagram account, at Dom J. Bird. You may not be on Instagram. Well, you know, maybe think about joining just for the next 10 weeks. Just have one person you're following us. Because whilst there is stuff on our website where you get the posts and the pictures, you don't get the stories, you don't get the videos of what we're doing in real time. So if you're really interested in what we're getting up to, that's a great way to track our progress because we're going to be filming everything from Zeke having a tantrum. Uh, actually, that's wrong. Zeke never tantrums. Caleb having a tantrum. And, um, you know, Zeke breaking windows with the football, whatever it may be. So we'll, we'll... Oh, yeah, and Brian Houston probably preaching at Hillsong as well. But we're going to try and capture some of that cool stuff. So Instagram is a great place to follow that. But we won't be communicating outside of that. 
Yeah, and that was really kind of one of the big things when we were speaking about the sabbatical was really wanting to create space for Dom and Louise to disconnect out of the everyday life of Sunny Hill so that they can just see the big picture and really have a look at kind of, okay, what is God doing and what is God saying and what is going to be happening in the next season. So I would again encourage you, go to sunnyhill.church, have a look at the sabbatical page. There will be the feed there from the Instagram showing pictures and that. We're also going to be periodically putting up videos that Dom and Louise are going to be sending back just of stuff going on. We're not putting any time frame commitments on them on them with that or any expectation. So as and when it comes, we're going to upload it. But if, like Dom said, if you really want to see what's going on, sign up to Instagram. Um, we get no money back from them for saying this, but do it anyway, which would be good. I, I suppose one of the big concerns people have going in is most leaders take a sabbatical, come back and say, that's me done, thanks, I'm ready to leave now. Is that what's going on here? Is that the case? No, well, we don't think so. <laughs> hopefully not. I mean, hopefully the plane's going to get there, come back just fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I probably meant less of you getting lost in the ocean on a boat. Oh, okay. Oh, or I see. In the right. sky, oh, okay, like, right. Actually, you can be back again. Yeah. I heard Hillsong. <laughs> Hillsong have been on a, you know, been after us for a long time, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got a new idea. They want us to start doing Sunny Hillsong. And they want Sunny Hillsong in. Um, no. For us, there's three things that we're really aware of. Um, just before I say that, I would say that loads of my friends who go on sabbatical who are ministers normally are either on the verge of burnout or running from a problem that they don't really want to address. Not always, just that's what I, I see. And they go away and they take the problem with them and they come back and the problem's still there because it's not really resolved, right? Um, for us, when God started to speak to us about taking this leave at the end of last year... Um, Actually, we're really excited about everything that's happening. We're really pumped. We love, we just love it. Um, we don't really feel tired out. We don't feel like we're on the edge of burnout. You know, we've got bags of energy. We love it. Um, but we thought that was why it was important to go. We're not running from anything. We're not running to anything. We're going to really miss this place. Even our kids are saying, look, you know, we're in England. Can't we just go next Sunday? I'm like, no, you're not allowed. I was like, your mom might take you, but I'm going to Surrey next Sunday. Um, <laughs> But, you know, for, for me, there's three things that I think that I'm really aware that we're privileged to have. Uh, we love where we live. We just love it. Like, this is the best place. In, like, I've, I've been all over the world. I've seen loads of beaches. Like, there's nothing like Paul. Like, honestly, it's beautiful. It stands up against any place apart from the car parking fines and fees. That's ridiculous. Um, you know, but it is annoying. Um, so we love where we live. We love what we do. Like, literally, we love it. It's challenging. It's hard. Sometimes we want to cry. Sometimes we want to scream. Sometimes we want to punch. Um, no, not people. Just punch the air with excitement. Um, so we love where we live. We love what we do. And most importantly, we love who we do it with. So for us, tick, 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 tick. Like, for us, there is no greener grass. We've always said we've got a long-haul mentality. And let's be honest. I air my dirty laundry here every Sunday morning. Everyone sees the worst of me, right? Um, who's going to give me a job other than Sunny Hill Church, right? Let's be honest about that. Um, so we, we, we know that God can blindside you with stuff, but our heart is very much, we think we're called to build something significant in the UK. We think that Sunny Hill need, uh, Paul UK needs a big church presence, and we think God wants to use us to be a part of that story. And so um, we kind of stick to our guns on that. Um, obviously, we never, you don't want to say God will never do this because sometimes God does do that. But as far as we're concerned, this is our attitude and mindset in life and ministry. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, and as leadership, we really felt like 2020 was going to be a massively significant year for Sunny Hill in terms of what God is doing. And we knew there had to be preparation and ground laying and kind of seed planting and a lot going on. And it just felt like this was something quite unique that God had put in place. It wasn't about Dom and Louise looking for something new, but actually about Dom and Louise being able to step back from Sunny Hill for a while and really connect to God so that he could speak right into that and go, you've got to begin to get this ready for the next season in the church. So we honestly think that this is just the beginning of something. It's definitely right. not the end of something, right. um, which is kind of really excited. Uh, is there, what can we pray for for you guys as you head off? Um, the flight. <laughs> in case you haven't twigged it by now, Dom is an incredibly nervous flyer. Um, I'm, not, sorry, I'm not even that much better, to be honest. And uh, our kids, they're not great in the car, even like, to Tesco, like they don't, they're really not good. Um, so I'm not quite sure how they're going to manage a 24 hour flight. It's a bit scary. So just the flight getting there, that to be a stress free, really easy, safe thing would be great. Um, and whilst we're out there, an opportunity, an opportunity to, con- to connect with the right people, to, to be inspired, to be encouraged, to be refilled, uh, to have something to bring back to encourage and inspire and empower this church to become as well we want to we want to be around big leaders that stretch us we want those moments those those moments where there's nothing scheduled there's nobody that you should be meeting but somehow you still end up in this incredible life-changing conversation that changes the way you view life god church everything um so just those those real god intervention moments really yeah Uh, And on your way out, you'll be given a little card that you can stick on your fridge, and on the back it's got prayer points for the sabbatical. And I really encourage you, regularly use that card and just pray into it. Pray into what God is going to be doing um, with and in kind of this couple as they're over on sabbatical. And so you'll get one of those on the way out. Um, Obviously, we heard from Dom what is the last thing that he would say if he either drowns on a boat or kind of is in a plane crash. I mean, I feel like you're taking many risks of putting your life there like, Let's go out into the earth, whatever it is. But Louise, if there was one thing you'd leave, what would it be? Okay. Um, I was reading this week um, a passage in John, and it's um, Jesus' kind of final prayers over his disciples. And it feels like a weird thing to talk about because this isn't our final prayers. This isn't our final preach. You know, we're coming back. But if it was to be, and I think about what Jesus prayed over his disciples and the believers at the time, ultimately he prayed for unity. He prayed that the believers would have unity. And he said this incredible thing. He, in, in his prayer, after he explained, after he said to God that uh, he wanted unity over his believers and for his disciples, he said, then the world will know you sent me and that you love them even as you have loved me. And I love the, the fact that unity in the church is a picture of who God is and how God loves. So my heart for Sunny Hill would be that you are a united people in, in your belief, in your heart for Jesus, in your desire to glorify him, in your desire to just just show the world who God is, that you would build each other up, that you would encourage each other, that you would speak life over each other, that you would speak something different to what the world speaks. That would be my heart for this church. Man, that's great. That's great, yeah. So if you want to stand where you are, we're going to pray for this couple. I'm going to ask some of the um, ministry leaders to come on down, um, if they want to head on down. If you're a trustee, come on down and just gather around this couple. Phil's going to come off the keyboard at last. I mean, his hands seem to be cramped. Um, I mean, you did a great job there, Phil. Amazing, man. 
And Phil's just going to be praying for this couple. But if some of the ministry leaders want to come down and just gather around them and lay hands on them, and then Phil's just going to pray for them, and then we're going to kick them out. No, we're not going to kick them out. Come on. Amen. Amen. We're grateful for this family, aren't we, church? Amen. We're grateful for God putting them over us as leaders. Let's just pray for them as they go. Father, we love you. We praise you. And Lord, right now, we just give, give you thanks for this family, Lord. We give you thanks for who they are, for what they mean to us, for all that they've sown into us over the years. Lord, it's all of grace. Lord, we're just thankful that your grace has been so powerfully at work in their lives. We're thankful that your spirit has moved so powerfully through their lives and flowed into our lives. And Lord, we just bless you for all of it because it's all from you. And as they head off on this break, Lord, we just want to commit them into your hands and pray, Lord, that every good thing that you have for them in your heart will come to fruition over the next 10 days. We pray against anything that the enemy might try to do to steal, to kill, and to destroy anything that he might try and put in their path to stop them from receiving what you have for them. We come against it in the name of Jesus. We just pray that you would go before them, Lord, that you would lead them every step of the way, that you would appoint meetings and people for them to connect with, Lord, that are going to have a significant impact on them, that are going to reveal more of who you are to them. Lord, we do pray, Father, that you would protect them, Lord, that you would keep them safe, Lord, that you would give them uh, a great time together, Lord, that they would grow in their love for one another and in their joy in one another as they grow in their love for you and their joy in you. Father, we pray, as Paul prayed for the Ephesian church, Lord, that you would fill them with the spirit of wisdom and of revelation so that they may know you better. Lord, that's the desire, that's the goal, that's the priority, is that they would know you better. And so we pray, Lord, that as they head off, they'll come back in 10 weeks, loving you more, knowing you better. And we pray that for us as well, Lord, that we would know you better. We would love you more. And we would move further into all that you have for us. So, Lord, we commit them to you. We give you thanks for them. And we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Amen.